you would please turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We are looking at verses 11 and 12. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 11 and 12. Please follow in the reading of the Word of God. I have become foolish. You yourselves compelled me. Actually, I should have been commended by you. For in no respect was I inferior to the most eminent apostle, even though I'm a nobody. The signs of a true apostle were performed among you with all perseverance and by signs and wonders and miracles. Father, help us to hear this. Help us to understand the danger that is there today. And Father, help us draw even closer. Father, may we who have been redeemed by the messages of the apostles understand that that foundation has stood the test of time. And Father, it is a work of your hand. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you, my Savior. In Christ's name, amen. We're looking at just a small section here. And in verse 11, he sets it up, is that I have become foolish. Again, this boasting or defending himself, he believes is foolish. It's, 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 it's a waste of time. Okay, but he says, you compelled me, you made me because you should have commended me. And they didn't. When the false teachers had come into the church in Corinth, they sold their stuff well and actually started believing against the Apostle Paul. And he uses that phrase again, the most eminent apostles. Okay, that would be them super apostle guys, you know, the the really big apostles. All right, and he says, uh, um, you know what, uh, I am not inferior to the super apostles. I'll say, so I, I want you to think about this because there is a uniqueness in the apostles. Okay, now I shared with you last week, there's two Greek words for the apostles. Okay, and you can see them. And yet we seen last week that churches can send apostles. Okay. They are messengers. They are representatives, okay, of the congregation. All right. They speak on behalf of the church. All right. But there's another line of apostles. And I showed you that there is only 13 of them that can fill the criteria. And that's what we're looking at. And that's what we looked at last week. That's what we're looking at today. There's 13 men, men that meet the qualifications of apostle. And we started, and I'll, I'll review it quickly. And, and the reason I want you to think about this, I am convinced that the average Christian today has no idea of the ramifications for your redemption that falls directly on the apostles. We just, yeah, that was the apostle Peter, that's a... Up there is the Apostle Paul. And, and, and that's just what we do. And yet, if you look at and you're true to Scripture, we see that the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And the foundation is who? The Apostles. Now listen, I've got a book that I just finished up reading, uh, I think it was last month, on how Paul's teachings were added to. Paul took the gospel and enhanced it himself. Okay, that's today, people. 
This book was written in 2000. And people think the Apostle Paul, he embellished the gospel. He added to it. That's why women don't like him because he doesn't believe that a woman should teach over a man. All right. And, and, and this is what they do. And I'm sitting there going, do you not understand that without the apostles, you and I don't have redemption? Do you understand how important this is? Okay, because and, and if you look at it, that's the uniqueness of who these men were. All right. I showed you this last week. I'm just going to review it quickly. What I want you to remember about this, the first thing in their uniqueness was the message, the message. And that's what we looked at last week. Why? Because these men were chosen by God. Okay, these were God's men. The second thing was they were chosen personally by the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, they were eyewitnesses to his life, his death and his resurrection. Fourthly, they received the gospel by direct revelations. Do you understand that? Fifthly, they were the foundations of the church. And sixthly, they were discipled by Christ himself. All right? Do we understand? Because, see, they didn't have a New Testament. They were taught what they had to understand by Christ himself. All right? That is one part of their responsibilities. So when you hear a person say, I'm an apostle. Does that mean the church sent you? No, Christ did. Oh, so you were discipled personally by the Lord Jesus Christ. All right. Listen, listen, I want you to understand something. It isn't the best out of six. You have to have all of these. And that's why when you look at it, there's only 13. There's only 13 in the history of humanity. The second part, you, you, you see the first part, all right, was this message. They are bringing the good news. I, I think it's one of the things that's maybe the greatest tragedy in Corinth. There's no church in Corinth without the Apostle Paul. And yet, they turned on him. When they would listen to these accusations, these people would attack his character, and they would listen to it. And because they listened to it, they would say, now you don't, you understand that Paul's message wasn't right. Paul isn't sin of God, or he wouldn't be suffering as much as he is. And yet Paul says, you know what? I have to be of God because of my suffering. Who else would do this? Right? So, the first responsibility of a true apostle was the message. Okay? In that essence, those six things that I just gave you is the, the culmination of the message. Where did they get this? This is why I hear people that drives me nuts today when I hear them say, Well, God told me. 
What do you mean God told you? Did he send it to you in email? Twitter? How'd you get it? Well, I just know. Ah, okay. All right. That's the kind of stuff that I hear. I hear that in the churches. God told me. I've had people come to me. God has a message that I'm supposed to give you. Well, he, he forgot where I was? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, he couldn't find me? <laughs> that's, that's, that's not good. Which brings me to the second point. These men, these 13, were preachers of that message. Preachers of that message. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 9, verse 2, we see this with the twelve. He called the twelve together. He gave them power and authority over all the demons and to heal diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to perform healings. He sent them out. Why? Go and tell them the kingdom of God is at hand. And what did they do? Exactly what they were commanded. They were faithful to Christ's call. He had commanded them. He had charged them. Take this message out of the kingdom of God. Share this message. Make it heard. Make it known. And you know what? They did. You couldn't get these guys to shut up. I mean, if you think about it, right after Pentecost... Peter went right into the temple, the place where the Sanhedrin worshipped those who had killed Jesus and said, you men of Israel who killed Messiah. That's pretty, you know, kind of in your face. All right. And you couldn't get them to be quiet. They were faithful to Christ's call. Christ had called them to take the message. In Acts chapter 4 Verse 33, and with great power, the apostles were giving testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and the abundant grace was upon them. They had power behind their preaching. You can spot this. There are men who can give you a lot of information and then there are powerful preachers. And there's a difference. Now, the guys that give you the information, it may be true. But the guys who have the power of God behind them, change your soul. In Acts chapter 10, we see this uh, again, Peter. You got to love Peter. Chapter 10, 42, he says, And he, speaking of Jesus, who arose from the dead, he ordered us to preach to the people and solemnly to testify that this is the one who has been appointed by God as judge of the living and of the dead. This is what he was speaking to Cornelius the Gentile. All right. So again, there he goes. He'd gone into the temple. They arrested him, told him to be quiet. And you know what? They beat him and John and uh, turned them loose and they just never shut up. And even when they said, go to the Gentiles, Peter went. Now, he had his problems, but he went. He spoke. So, along with the responsibility to preach this gospel to the unbelievers, an evangelist, all right, they were also, the apostles, also taught 
believers. Their teachings was the foundation for the church. It is their teachings uh, that you and I came to salvation on. The teachings of the apostles. Why? Who discipled them? Jesus Christ. There ain't nobody out there augmenting this message. Adding to it. We, we, I really wish that we would understand how important to your and my salvation the apostles are. You know, I've, I've had a lot of people, or I've not a lot, I've run into some people that says, well, why do you always just hang around in the New Testament? Well, first and foremost, I'm a New Testament preacher. All right. Secondly, if I thought you guys had it all down, I would go over to the Old Testament. But I'm not convinced that we've got it all down yet. And, and that's the reason. Why do I take so long? Well, maybe I'm a slow learner. Or perhaps you are. All right? That's why. We should know this. We're 2,000 years out from the birth of the church. And yet, look how easily we can be swayed and how easily we can be deceived. And the reason is... We don't pay attention. I just had this conversation this morning. We don't pay attention to what the apostles tell us. You know, we get really fired up for the red letter stuff. But when it comes to what the apostles said, who taught them? Let me show you another one. Second Peter chapter three, verse two. Peter writing this, the purpose of this letter, verse 1, This is now, beloved, the second letter that I am writing to you, in which I am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. Okay? What? That you should remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior spoken by your apostles. That you should remember this. Alright? So, I, can, I just showed you some text that dealt with the original 12. Let me show you one that deals with the apostles. Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. For which I was appointed... A preacher, an apostle, and a teacher. So you can take it now and you can say, okay, the message was that on its foundation evangelistic. It was to unbelievers. But now you take it to the next level as a teacher. Guess what? It's for believers. Let me strengthen you for the task that is at hand. Remember when we looked at the letter to the Ephesians? These men, gifted men, were given for what? Equipping the saints for the work of ministry. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 7, 2, 7. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. And I am telling the truth, I am not lying, as a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. 
So you look at it, they had a uniqueness that they received the message and they had a uniqueness to give the message. All right. A third responsibility of these men. They exercised divine power. And the next week I will get into this a little deeper. But they exercised divine power. What I I call this beyond natural. Have you ever have you ever seen a surgery? And watch what happens in a surgery. If you thought about that for a minute, that's kind of bizarre. Right? I mean, you just sort of, you know, when I keep thinking about this, you know, bypass surgery, I'm going to take a vein out of your butt, open up your chest, stop your heart, make your blood flow with the machine, and then I'm going to put these butt veins on your heart. All right? Then I'm going to start your heart back up. And then I'm going to close up your chest and you'll be better in a moment. Okay, now, if you think about that for a second, you're like, well, that's kind of weird. And better yet, who thunked that up? Okay, that's like, who was the first one to eat an oyster? That had to be on a dare. Okay, I mean, I'll give you a nickel, you eat that. I ain't eating that. Look at that. Okay, but the same thing. I think about what we do in surgery now, and you're like, well, wait a minute. Okay, but let me tell you something. It's still natural. Now, if I can take a vein out of your rear end and put it on your heart and never touch you, now we're talking. All right? That has stepped into beyond the natural. That's what I call supernatural. All right? That's the difference. We throw supernatural and miracle around way too easy. Okay? There's a lot of things that we call miracles that are coincidence. All right? If you go in and have bypass surgery, that's natural. Somebody's going to do that. Now, if they do that without cracking open your chest, now we're into the supernatural. Okay? It's, uh, you know, I've... uh, I remember there for a while, I used to uh, run a challenge course down in Monument. We would have these summer camps that would come in all every year. We would get these groups out of Oklahoma. And there's a plague in Oklahoma. Uh, one leg shorter than the other. And I, I don't know if it's the water there or whatever, but I, they, every year, you know, dozens and dozens of people would have their legs balanced out. And I'm sitting there going... <laughs> What? So, you know, because at first I thought it was somebody making a funny. And then I realized, no, that we were healing people of short-leggedness. And I was like, well, can you make me in the NBA? But anyway, so, but no, you know, well, you know, we had a kid who had a, a pain in his neck and uh, he, he, he was healed. Well, that's why God created ibuprofen. You know, and it's, you know, I guess if you think about it, that's kind of miraculous, you know, but you got to be careful about this because we throw this stuff around or you hear it all the time. And, and, and I, that ain't what these guys did. All right. 
this is supernatural stuff here. Okay, the 12 of them could cast out demons. All right. Let me show you. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. We looked at this. The 12 came together and we gave them power and authority over all demons. Over all demons. Okay. Remember uh, <laughs> the false apostles? We're going to cast the demon out. And the demon looked at him and says, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. I don't know you. And he whooped them. All right. So they didn't have authority over that demon. All right. And yet I watch people today. We need to bind it. Well, who keeps cutting it loose? I I don't understand that part. All right. And you know what? I can prove to you biblically that there's no place in there that tells you and me to go do that. What we bind here on earth is bound in heaven. What we loosen here on earth is loosened in heaven. That's the text they quote. You know what that's talking about? Church discipline. And that's probably a good thing to discipline a demon in the church. But do you see what I'm trying? That text ain't got nothing to do with demons. Okay? It has to do with unrepentant sin in the body of Christ. All right? You can also see that they had the ability. I'll just give you these verses. Mark chapter 3, verse 15. Mark chapter 6, verse 7. Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 and verse 8. All right? I just wanted you to know these. Okay? Because these 12 had the ability to be the conduit for God's supernatural work. And, I, and I'm, listen, when I'm, I'm talking supernatural work. I'm talking that when a paralyzed person can just stand up. Now, you know, cause you know what's always fascinated me? We always talk about the guy who had, had never walked since birth. And Jesus spoke to him and he got up. Now think about that for a second. It's a miracle. Okay. He can get up, but he can walk. He's never walked in his life. You know what's weird? Every single one of us had to learn to walk. This guy had never walked. And Jesus said, get up, take your mat. And he got up and he walked. How did he walk if he had never walked? I mean, you expect him to stumble around, fall on the edge of the coffee table. Okay? Every one of our kids had to learn to walk. Every one of us had to learn to walk. Even when we were abnormal. No. <laughs> all right, so I can show you where the 12. All right, but let me show you something about the Apostle Paul. Acts chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. So it's a fascinating section here. Acts 16, beginning at verse 16, okay, they're in Philippi. The first Europeans are being saved, all right? Verse 16, and it happened as we were going, okay, Luke's writing this, and he's with Paul. That's where you get the we. We were going to the place of prayer. A slave girl, having a spirit of divination, met us. 
who was bringing her masters much profit by fortune-telling. Following after Paul and us, she kept crying out, saying, These men are bondservants of the Most High God, who are proclaiming to you the way of salvation. Verse 18. She continued doing this for many days, but Paul was greatly annoyed. He turned and said to the Spirit, I command you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to come out of her, and it came out at that very moment. All right? Paul had supernatural abilities. If you go on over chapter 19, now Paul's in Ephesus. Okay? Verse 11, God was performing extraordinary miracles by the hands of Paul, so that, verse 12, so that handkerchiefs or aprons were even carried from his body to the sick, and the diseases left them, and the evil spirits went out. You see what I'm trying to get at? There's no doubt in your mind what's going on here. He's not making one leg longer than the other, or making the short leg longer as the long leg, or whatever it is. It ain't none of that stuff that is claimed to be miraculous or supernatural today. This is stuff that you just sit there and go, wow, how did that happen? That is power. When I when it says that they had power, I'm not talking about, you know what? Uh, if you just think positively, you'll be all right. Okay? If you say this prayer every hour on the hour for 22 days, you'll be fine. No, that ain't what was going on. I mean, you think about it. Part of his clothing, you could take it and heal it, lay it on somebody and they would be healed or the demon would be removed. That's when the demon come up to those two false and said, Paul, I know. Every time we run into him, we get our lunches handed to us. Okay? Yeah, we understand that. That's power. They had power over illness. They had power to heal the sick. I can give you a bunch of verses on this one. Luke chapter 9, verse 1. We already showed you that one. Okay? That's the the original 12. They had the power to heal. They had power over demons. Matthew chapter 10, verse 1. Mark chapter 6, verse 13. But if I go back to Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb was being carried along, whom they used to sit down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms of those who were entering the temple. When he saw Peter and John about to go up into the temple, he began asking to receive alms. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, look at us. And he began to give them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I do not possess silver 
and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, walk. And seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. With a leap, he stood upright and began to walk, and he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. That's supernatural. This guy's never walked from his mother's womb. This isn't one of those, well, I wonder how they did that. You know, we'd have sent him over to the hospital that could have maybe fixed it. Acts chapter 9, 34 to 41. Peter said to him, and as Jesus Christ heals you, get up, make your bed. Immediately he got up. And all who lived in Lydia and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which is translated into Greek Dorcas. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. And it happened at this time she fell sick and died. I guess that's sick, huh? And died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in the upper room. Said Lydia was near Joppa, and the disciples were having heard Peter was there too, sent two men to him, imploring him, Do not delay in coming to us. So Peter arose and he went with them. And when he arrived, they brought him into the upper room and all the windows stood beside, uh, all the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them. And Peter sent them out. He knelt down and prayed, turning to her body. And he said, Tabitha, arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up and he gave her his hand, raised her up, calling the saints and the widows, and he presented her alive. Okay? Also of the Apostle Paul. Acts 14. Acts 14, verse 8. In Lystra, a man sitting who had no strength in his feet, lame from his mother's womb, who had never walked. The man was listening to Paul as he spoke, who when he fixed his gaze upon him and had seen that he had faith to be made well. And he said with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he leaped up and began to walk. Okay, again, from his mother's womb. Go on over to the end of book of Acts, chapter 28, verse 8. And it happened that the father of Publius was lying in a bed afflicted with a recurrent fever and dysentery. And Paul went in to see him, and after he had prayed, he laid his hands on him, and he healed him. Okay? They all knew that the power was from God being used in these men. These men, like I said, were chosen by God, called personally by the Lord Jesus Christ. And they were faithful to what they were called and commanded to do. Preach the kingdom. And they were faithful to that. And to prove that their message was from the kingdom of God, guess what? They had power. Divine power. 
They also had a fourth responsibility. And that responsibility was the task of writing scripture, writing the New Testament. Okay, now listen, it is true that not all of the apostles wrote New Testament books. We have not found the book of Matthias. Okay, sorry. But it is true that Matthias preached. But not all of the apostles of the 13 wrote New Testament. All right. But all of the New Testament was written either by an apostle, Paul, Peter, John, or Matthew, all apostles, or they were written by someone who was a very close associate. Okay. John Mark wrote uh, what I call the cliff notes of the gospel. It's very short, precise, ding, 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 and we're done. Okay. And where did he get it from? Paul and Barnabas. All right. Luke. Luke was on most of Paul's missions trip. That's why we have the book of Acts. It was written by Luke. Okay. Uh, James. The Lord's, the, James is the Lord's half brother. James is the first pastor of the first church of Jerusalem. Okay. He's not an elder. He's a pastor. Okay. Why would you want an elder when you've got the 12 apostles standing there? Okay, but he was the one who had the oversight over the church was James. All right, Jude, go read Jude, read first Peter, read Jude. I think it's plagiarism. (laughs) Okay, so it's the same thing. You can tell you've been hanging out with Peter, haven't you? All right, Jesus had promised the apostles in John's gospel. Chapter 14, verse 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in his name, he will teach you all the things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. Okay, then let's pick up the 13th one. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verses 12 and 13. Now, we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we know all things freely given to us by God. Which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the spirit, combining spiritual thought with spiritual words. Peter told us that, Paul was writing scripture. All right. All of this we have promised and it's a that you have just seen. All right. But there's another thing. These 13 men have a uh, a unique place of honor. I guess that's the way I could say it. Uh, in the gospel of Matthew, Peter asked a question. In Matthew 19, Matthew 19, the question is in uh, verse 27. And then Peter said to him, all right, behold, we have left everything 
and followed you. What then will there be for us? Okay. Jesus gives them the answer in verse 28. And Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, that you who have followed me and the regeneration when the Son of Man sits on the, His glorious throne, you also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the tribes of Israel. That's definitely a little place of honor. Right? That would have been the twelve. That would have included Matthias. Right? They have a special place. They will have a role of governing the twelve tribes of Israel in the millennial kingdom. That thousand year kingdom after the great tribulation. That thousand year kingdom. The rulers will be those twelve. Alright? They also get a special honor in the eternal heavenly Jerusalem. It has 12 foundations. Whose name are on the foundations? 12 apostles. Alright? Now then, Scripture doesn't give any details on the Apostle Paul. Alright? I've heard a lot of people try to tell me that Paul is taking the place and Matthias was just, you know, random. Well, I'm not really going to buy that. Why? Because it says, we wanted one to replace who was there at the baptism of Christ. Paul was not at the baptism of Christ. All right? But I will know this. Paul will be honored in the millennial kingdom and the eternal kingdom. There ain't no doubt in my mind, you who sit here today who are a Gentile are fruit of the Apostle Paul. So, I mean, Paul's in heaven right now, and he's still gaining escrow. All right, so I want you to know that these are very precise qualifications. They are very unique qualifications. And they are very important requirements for this office of apostle. Only the twelve and Paul qualify. Okay? Any others are false. Do you understand what I just said? It's not even debatable. I mean, I could pick out any of the one. You have divine power. And if you do, I know some paralyzed people and I'll bring them to you. I have a very dear friend here in town who, ha- who pastors um, a disabled church. I guess they're all disabled. But that's his, his he has uh, cerebral palsy. His wife has cerebral palsy. And, and, and I mean, they've, he's got a, he's serious. I mean, he's, cause when he prays, you, <laughs> you better get in the spirit and you ain't gonna understand a word he just said. Okay. And yet I've watched him preach and he comes clear. 
Okay? And if you believe you've got divine power, let me take you over and show you my friend Steve. And you show me. Oh, by the way, if you don't, I will call you false. The message that these men had was directly from God. The message they directly got from God, they preached without wavering, without fear. They exercised divine power. They wrote scripture. And they have a special place of honor in the millennial kingdom and the eternal kingdom. These are apostles of God. They are different than apostles of the church. A messenger of the church. They're different. Technically, when I go to Azerbaijan or Russia, wherever I end up, I am a representative of this church. This is our ministry. I get a little testy when I hear people say, it's my ministry. No, it's not. No. You're just a slave. All right. Now then, once they have that unique qualification, we will look and see that they also had a very unique power like no others have ever had. Okay, none. All right, and we'll pick that up next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the apostles. Father, as I have spent time and you've been gracious to show me more and more uh, how awesome um, to be on the foundation of these 13 amazing men. Father, I rejoice when you tell us that uh, they did not choose you, but you chose them. And Father, I thank you that in your sovereignty, in your power, in your omnipotence, in your omnipresence, that, Father, you knew exactly what was needed. Thank you, my King. Thank you that redemption came through the teaching and the preaching of the apostles called by you, appointed by Christ himself personally. Thank you, my Lord. Thank you. In Christ's name, amen.